And so you you think so people have a paradigm, at least I did, that you know the gamer was this subculture where uh, people were building their own PCs and having these consoles, and that there was a uh, to really get into the high end of it, it was a five hundred to a thousand dollars entry just to get into that. Plus the games were fifty, sixty bucks. That's gone. You're listening to Pardon the Disruption with your host Tom Young. Hi, everybody. Hey, welcome to the show. This is Tom Young. Let's go around the room. Hey, this is Bart Gallo. This is TJ Young. And this is Rohan Kapoor. Hey, guys. Today, we're going to talk about an announcement that was made this week by Google when they launched uh, a new gaming initiative uh, around uh, a platform called Stadia. And, you know, a, a lot of gaming announcements get made over the years. Gaming industry's been around for a long time. It's a big industry now. If you look it up on Wikipedia, it's about 138 billion and growing quite rapidly. I think it grew 13% last year worldwide, largely driven off of virtual reality and mobile growth. But there's a couple interesting things we want to talk about today about why this Google announcement is a is a little different and highly disruptive uh, to the industry because it's going to change the way things get done. So first of all, you got we all watched a lot of the videos and we we researched this over the last couple of days. Yep. Uh, what do you got? Are you guys, without getting any punchlines, you guys excited about what they're doing? I'm excited and a bit surprised. I would say I think people that don't follow this closely would be very surprised by the numbers that we're about to cover because it's kind of been this underground movement, at least in my perception, yeah. of esports and gaming more generally. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're about to hear is. Extremely surprising. You'd be surprised the people that you know who might be staying up late and watching some of these esports online, playing some of these games, and not really talking about it. But it's a huge industry. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think this was the first intro intro for me, and I was like, wow, they're changing the way that gaming's played. And when you dig under the surface, you're like, oh, I see why they're doing this. And it's kind of scary. The numbers, like you say, we're going to cover it. Just All right, so it's confession time. Yeah, I think even beyond the numbers, for a lot of folks, they're going to be surprised just to hear the term esports. I think yeah, it's, it's, kind a, of it's, a, it's a new term. Initial for me. break into that whole culture. It sounds like yeah. a company, but it's actually uh, an industry. Yep. So it's confession time before before we get into this. When was the last time any of you guys played a video game oh, that would qualify in this realm? It's been a while. Played I, or watched? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, four days ago, maybe. What did you, what did you play? Yeah. Uh, Super Smash Brothers. Okay. On, on, on and that's on Switch. Nintendo Switch. Yeah. TJ, you, have you played? Yeah, this past weekend. And what did you do? Zelda. And how how long did you play? How long did I play? Like that day? Yeah, like I'm just curious because part of this gets into the issue of how much time are people giving this? It's quite a bit. Uh, I I don't know, a couple hours. Okay. I, I spent probably the age from the age of 18. To uh, twenty-seven, so eight years you played. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> the last time you played was eight years, non-stop for like probably three hours a day, every day. So you feel like you put down the controller so, in a big way around twenty-seven compared to before that. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, pretty much cool. when I got married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let let's go to our first clip so people can see. I think uh, we need one more confession though. Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I uh, you're above it all. You watch. No, no, no. I like. Yeah, you played that Pokemon Go. <laughs> game. I I don't play anymore. I used to play quite a bit. Um, You've evolved beyond games. No, it turns out I just get frustrated. I can't play anymore. So uh, I, my re- reaction times are too slow. Yeah. So I uh, I just I don't like. I like to watch, 
some of the first-person shooters and the adventure ones, like Red Dead Redemption, I like to watch that. I think it's pretty cool. I'm more interested in the business side of this. I worked in the games industry back in the 1990s where we had a lot of technical challenges on things that are being overcome now, say, 25 years later. And it, so to me, it's, I'm more fascinated by the evolution of this, these immersive worlds that are being created. Uh, the fact that you can stream 4K in 60 frames a second, and they're looking at going up to 8K, unlimited. It's unbelievable to me. When we were struggling with rendering simple graphics and the, the engineering behind that on low latency dial-up modems. So that, that I'm more interested in that, but I, I, I'm fascinated by this whole thing, but I, I don't really play anymore. So when was the last time? Yeah, I didn't hear a confession. Please answer the question. Uh, you, you, should run, say, you should run for office. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I might play those uh, games on text. That's about it. But it's a simple games like tic-tac-toe. Learning games. Word search and stuff like that. I play on with my daughter. We'll text back and forth. We'll play the word search games. I don't play these games that are we're going to talk about today. But I do like watching them on occasion. Mm. So Tic-tac-toe is the answer. Is Words with Friends going to be an eSports? Yeah, I don't know. Words, yeah, I don't, I don't like that game. But, you know, anyway. Did you lose to your daughter? <laughs> I do. She, she's pretty good at it. So, uh, anyway, all right. So uh, this first clip we have is from Cinder Pichai, who is the uh, the Google CEO. He's a pretty good speaker. I like I like listening to him. He's, yeah, uh, agreed. He's disarming. So we're gonna play. It's it's a it's a clip. Bart, let's play up the uh, Cinder Pichai at twenty two fifty five in the announcement. Sure. This is about forty five second clip. So now we are focused on our next big effort, which is to build a game platform for everyone. And when we say for everyone, we really mean it. It's one of our most cherished values as a company. Be it Android or Chrome or AI, we are dead serious about making technology accessible for everyone. But if you think about games, there are a lot of barriers for users to play high-end games. Beautiful graphics really need high-end consoles or PCs. And games don't have instant access. Think about the way the web works. You can easily share a link, and it works seamlessly. We want games to feel that way, too. Instantly enjoyable with access for everyone. So that clip uh, is the announcement at this uh, large keynote that he gave uh, where Google lays out this. And what people don't appreciate, even if they're generally familiar with the fact that there's things like PlayStation and Xbox consoles and, and games on PCs, uh, this is a pretty big market, right? And and so, uh, TJ, you looked up some of the some statistics about some interesting dis dynamics because right. there was a time, I want to say, and I'm going to get this r roughly wrong, but it's, it just illustrates the point. Maybe about six or seven years ago, the gaming industry, in terms of productions, in terms of the amount of money that was being spent to build video games, exceeded the cost that Hollywood was for making movies. Absolutely. So some numbers here just to level set. Yeah. I think the number you'll see most in terms of headlines, uh, it's mostly because it's been propagated by uh, the likes of Deloitte, you know, Big Four, World mm -hmm. Economic Forum. Uh, the 2019 projected market size of esports is supposed to cross 1 billion this year. 1.1 billion is the 2019 projection. But just to unpack that, there's five main elements there. And then I want to kind of dig into why it's really an incomplete view if you're looking at really the economic effects on the marketplace that mm -hmm. esports is bringing. So game publisher fees, that's about 100 million. Media rights, 250. 
merchandise and tickets is 100 million alone. Advertising is going to hit 200 million, and sponsorship opportunities is pretty much half, about 500 million wow. of that 1.1 billion. So the thing is, though, when you look at the top, kind of the top esports games, the top ones are free which is what we want to talk about here. So there's this yep. billion-dollar market, but the top games that people talk about, the, the ones that are the most popular, are free to play, yet they still rake in huge amounts of revenue. So the number one game right now, of not just esports, of any free-to-play game, and phones included, is Fortnite. I'm sure you guys have heard of Fortnite mm -hmm. from Epic Games. Yeah. 2018 revenue alone, this is not accounting for the graphic we just talked about, that $1 billion, $2.4 billion from that one game. And it's one free, game. One game, Fortnite, and it's free to play. Yeah. And what they're doing is they're monetizing these microtransactions in the game. So you can buy certain upgrades, buy armor, buy weapons, buy access to certain parts of that game that are exclusive if you buy into it. So, And they yeah. try to, there's like that gray, li gray line between pay to play and- Well, you can't I'm, buy anything that affects gameplay. That's what's right, interesting right. about the amount of money they're making off of this. It's cosmetic upgrades people are spending all this money on to differentiate how their character looks yeah and you do too much. much then you get backlash from the players saying like what is this it's just pay to play pay to, pay to win really right but just that game alone 2.4 billion another one league of legends free to play same basic concept they sell you know these microtransactions in the game 1.4 billion alone so the, the the people are measuring traditional uh value streams in terms of revenue and the right. kind of the surrounding media market. But Ticket yeah. sales. <laughs> the, the market around in-game transactions and then the, the the market for projected growth for the, just the fans and people watching these games, watching streams. I don't. I, I think it's highly underestimated. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's that uh, the guy we watched his videos yesterday, uh, Tyler Ninja. He's like the top streamer in Fortnite. Right. And he made half a million dollars a month in 2018. And that's obviously not factored into whatever this traditional way of measuring the size of the market is. It's kind of, of the, the sub-brands that surround the brand of the game. Right? Yeah, the top players, the top people, brands. Yeah. So old guys like me, their head's about to explode. <laughs> right? Because uh, I, I follow what you were saying generally because I prepared for this, but other than that, I, I'm not sure. Okay, so Twitch stream just is people watching other people play video games and donating Which money to them. I, you just, <laughs> I, I think you just were speaking a different language. Yeah. I don't, but if you, if you look at like Halo, you know, a game that came out, you know, 10 years ago or more. 20 years ago. Was it 20 years ago? Yep. The first oh, one, 18, yeah. Uh, Combat <laughs> Evolved. 19 yeah. years ago. But if you look at yeah. things like, um, what's a big game that came out last year, Red Dead Redemption 2? Yep. These games cost over $100 million to make. So the, the, so Red Dead Redemption 2 costs between, and again, these are all estimates. You'll get different answers by the article because they won't really release the figures. But yeah. for actual development budget, it's supposed to be between 200 and 250 million just for the game alone, which is more than most movies. Oh, it's, it's more than that's just crazy. about all movies. So just like yeah. all movies. the Lord of the Rings trilogy, that, now again, that's 15 years old, was three movies and $300 million to make. Yeah. And most studios, and by most, all of them passed on it, Disney included. Right. And New Line Cinema bet the entire wad on, the, on that, and they made the movie, and it was wildly successful. But so... When you get over a hundred million for a movie in that hundred to two hundred range, which is the, the the blockbuster, that you know they're they're hoping to get back four, five hundred, six hundred million back because they got to pay distribution costs, et cetera. You want like two X? That's that's kind of it, the target. Otherwise, it's kind of a loss with that. It is, but the games are now dwarfing that. At least the top ones are, and now we're moving away from paid games where I go and I buy a, a DVD or or even download the game. I pay for the game, and now the games are becoming demonetized where they're free. Right. 
And what now that there's a lot of money around capitalizing on spectators, you say, who would watch this? Uh, well, we're going to answer that question, I think, in the next clip. When we talk about, there was a documentary series on Netflix called Explained. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can go look it up. And we're going to play a clip from one of and, the episodes. And not to judge, just to finish the point of Red Dead Redemption 2, yeah. I think we're going a bit too fast here. So $250 million to produce. Right, it, it, I wanted almost, to hear about the earnings. Almost the same amount to market as well, which is it's typical for movies too. I mean, the marketing budget can sometimes exceed. So the, the real estimate, and this is all guesses because it's a private company, but uh, for, for Rockstar Games is the company that developed it. It's f- about $400 plus million just to develop and market this game, which is mm-hmm. huge. Sales for the game in three days, $725 million. <laughs> and by the end of 2018, it crossed the $1 billion mark. Wow. And it was released in late October. October, right? Wow. That's so crazy. I don't, I, don't have the, I don't have the figures for the first couple months here, but it's That tells still the story sold, you need to hear. Yeah. $1 billion and change off of a around $400 million investment. So they're already almost at 3X. And was that, that was a game which you could purchase just by having the console and you could actually download it yeah. straight, right? You could download it and you, you could download go... four t- three or four tiers. So they have like limited edition, legendary edition. So they broke down one big barrier, which is you don't have to go in and buy big it. Is, it's big money. And if you're <laughs> not huge. familiar with this, uh, I think this next clip is going to, uh, gonna your head might explode again. Well, if if about... you just ask the person on the street, like, what would you say? Movie industry versus game industry? What's making more money? Not even close, he'd say so movies. We yeah. watched this next clip yeah, as a group. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> we watched this next clip as a group yesterday, and I, I would say everyone was surprised mm-hmm. when we saw this. Now, this is a clip from the documentary on Netflix called Explained, and this is their esports. And this is just the, we're going to watch, like, to say the first minute and 15 seconds of this video. Spoiler. This dragon isn't real, but the stadium is. This is the opening ceremony at the League of Legends World Championship in Beijing, China. This is a Dota 2 tournament in Seattle, Washington. And this is the Counter-Strike Global Offensive Final held in Katowice, Poland. 173,000 people went. League of Legends, Dota 2, Counter-Strike, These are all video games, the kind that 20 years ago, most people would just play at home. Today, eSports, that's electronic sports, is a global phenomenon. In 2017, 60 million people around the world watched the League of Legends finals. In 2018, Luxor, the Las Vegas casino, dedicated an entire new space to eSports and gaming. All of this is for playing video games. All right, well, that... That clip is uh, amazing. That's the intro to that documentary we, we mentioned. And uh, if you're not familiar with this, this is uh, eye-opening. This is almost like Super Bowl and World Cup kind of crowds. Yeah. Even bigger. It's, it's just gigantic. And I don't been, know the numbers for World Cup or uh, you know football matches, but I, I think that dwarfs uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible also that the organizations that are seeing this growth and trying to get involved. So... The Premier League has started their own e-Premier League where they have a month of trials for gamers to compete, to represent every single one of the clubs that's in the Premier League, and it's backed by them. Um, So you have one gamer for Manchester United, one gamer for Chelsea. They go up into a tournament which sells out the O2 Arena. It sells it out. 
So fact, <laughs> fact check false. Super Bowl is around 100, 105, 110 million viewers, I think, last year. So that that last championship was at 60 million. So I'm sure it's going to grow. That and graph's showing it's growing, but it, it will cross soon. Yeah, but in terms of live viewership, I thought it was interesting that they said the uh, League of Legends tournament in Poland was like 160,000 live right. in person. In which, person. Yeah. So the, the, this is not something to be ignored. It's it's pretty big. And I would say the couple things that are different, because, again, the gaming industry has been around for a long time. But a couple things are, are, are to me, are we're at a, I'll call it a secular shift. The The way that these games are being now uh, engineered, and we're going to, this next clip will play from Google that talks a little bit about how it's different, is making the games more accessible to us in our day-to-day lives. So uh, the consoles are going to go away, the uh, devices are going to go away, and the devices you already have in your life, whether it be a TV or a tablet or a phone, are going to be, the platforms in which you play this because everything's going to move into the cloud. The second major trend is the fact that the multiplayer aspects, which were very hard to render in the old days technology-wise, and you get into this issue of the latency of networks and making sure that everybody's in the same state. So if four of us are playing a game, we all think that you know I'm doing this and you're doing that. That state has to be consistent across time and across space, and that's very hard to do. Now they're able to do that. It's a problem for the players, and it's also a problem for the developers too, especially if you have a cross-platform right. game. If I have something for Xbox, for PlayStation, for PC, for Mac, I have to make sure all those environments sync up, and that's a lot of extra work. Yeah, so, I think that's a great point too, because Google's not just creating the future environment that gamers will choose, but yeah. they're also incentivizing developers to work more closely with this type of architecture. Right. Yeah. So, so think about the the, the, the game platforms are going to become uh, – basically democratize you can be out there you're not going to be have to own a ps4 or an xbox one or whatever the platform is you're going to be able to play these games on whatever you have and the second one is a high social factor all the way up to and including uh spectators watching other people play and celebrity matches etc so let's talk let's let's play this next clip and then we'll have a more freeform discussion after this clip. But we'll, let's talk about this next clip to show how, from the Google engineers, what's different about this. So let's go to let's check it uh, out. that next clip we have teed yeah. up, Bart. We've built Stadia's architecture on top of the Google data center network. The network consists of fiber optic links and subsea cables between hundreds of points of presence and more than 7,500 edge node locations around the globe. More edge nodes mean the compute resources are closer to players, which results in better performance. When Stadia launches, we will have increased performance significantly to support resolutions up to 4K at 60 frames per second with HDR and surround sound. And in the future, we'll be able to stream games in up to 8K resolution. In addition to the stream you get as a player, there is a second simultaneous stream at 4K 60 frames per second that you can choose to share directly to YouTube from the Stadia data center, meaning your gaming memories will be saved at the highest possible quality. As a developer, you're used to being forced to tone down your creative ambitions that are limited by the hardware. But our vision with Stadia is that the processing resources available will scale up to, ma- to match your imagination. In this new generation, the data center is your platform. So, again, that talks a little bit about what's happening. We can break this down a little bit, but that last tagline, the data center is your platform. Yep. 
is allowing for uh, some pretty cool stuff. When they talk about 4K uh, streaming at, at 60 frames a second and going up to 8K, it's almost unbelievable. Yeah, and you know what's really impressive about that that jumped out at me that I had forgotten about is, remember Xbox released the Xbox One X some number of years after the One S? They introduced 4K gaming by re-releasing a new version of the physical console that was double the price. Yeah, instead of two fifty, it was like five hundred bucks for the same console with the enhanced graphics. As opposed to you subscribe to maybe Stadia or another platform that dominates in the future. Yeah. I'm going to bet on Stadia, and you're and you just get the hardware benefits because they manage their own. Data it evolves, you, you and you evolve it. with it as a subscriber. Right. I think also the the so this is the holy grail of what. Um, companies have been trying to trying to look at and there are a lot of companies in this space um i think what's really cool is the fact that google has obviously the network and data infrastructure to be able to pull this off the resources um but they also have youtube which is like in it's like a beautifully positioned platform for them to really get the most out of this and that's something which i think a lot of the other companies you know, a disadvantage. Right. Millions of people that, are watching games there already. Right. On their I mean, they platform. they had a um, they were talking about two hundred million logged in daily active users watching gaming. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And so you you think so people have a paradigm. At least I did. That you know the gamer was this subculture mm-hmm. where uh, people were building their own PCs and having these consoles, and that there was a. Uh, to really get into the high end of it, it was a five hundred to a thousand dollars entry just to get into that. Plus, the games were fifty, sixty bucks. That's gone. They've th- this new trend. They're going to demonetize that whole thing, and you're now going to have basically access to these high quality games on your existing infrastructure. That means your own TV. If a four K TV, you're going to be able to do these games right on your TV. You have your your, uh, uh, if you have a, a, a pad or a tablet, iPad or a tablet, or a phone, uh, they're, they're all going to be able to play these games seamlessly. And they go through some demonstrations about how you can move around from one to another. But it's going to change the access to this. Like right now, you know, even like these chairs that we're sitting on in the studio, these are like the top end gaming chairs, right? We got this out of a gaming, uh, uh, these are like the yeah. top. They actually sell a special edition of one of them with the logo Cloud9 on the back. And I was like, what is it? And we learned in the oh, eSports yeah. documentary that it's one of those, uh, what do they call them, the leagues? or uh, it's I like don't a, remember. One of the organizations. Uh, it's like one comp- of the like it's it's a, sports team. Yeah, yeah I guess a team but yeah. that has players in multiple games. But yeah, they oh, have right. a branded chair. But these are comfortable chairs. They are. <laughs> yeah. For the avoidance the club, of that, right? Well, yeah. like club sport. They yeah, have to be. Because yeah. you're going to be positioned in this for like 24 hours straight. Right, but but you think about like, you know, like my nephew, he, uh, he gets on the Steam platform, which is a PC-based uh, interactive, but he builds his own PCs to play games. Mm-hmm. And those days are behind us, I think. We're moving into this new realm where you see... Um, Democratization and standardization, I think. Well, and again, we've talked about this in our consulting business about the six Ds of disruption that Peter Diamandis really did. When you talk about digitizing, and the games are already digitized, uh, you virtualize them or, or dematerialize it, and you put it into the cloud. That's happening now. Democratize it. Now everyone can get access, not just the owners of a particular platform, and I demonetize it. That fourth D, which is I take the... I don't have to. I don't charge for admission. I monetize the people who are playing it, and that's yeah. that one guy you showed yesterday. 
He's just a really good player on was it Fortnite? He's he's a good player, but he also he's, commentates and he's a personality. He makes five hundred thousand yep. a month. Five hundred thousand a month last year. Yeah. And and just to back it up, doesn't that the, blow you guys away? It does. I mean, it's it I, does. But when you go yeah. see the numbers that he's pulling in well, on it, every it video, do, but then again, sense. it's like it, it would have blown me away. But then you realize that some celebrity influencers make two hundred fifty thousand for posting for one picture, photograph. That's right. And, and just so. and just to back it up to the second D again, so dematerialization, and that comes in different forms. So just another another way to show the pace of disruption here. Before you had to go to like GameStop or a store to actually buy the game, and then it went from a, you know to a CD, cartridge to a CD to a very very small for like the uh, the Nintendo Switch. I think it's, it's a an tiny, SD card, it's a tiny basically. SD card, almost yeah. like a memory chip. And then I mean, a, a couple of years ago, you started being able to download games. I know Microsoft started doing that. Yeah. I believe they really started it. Mm -hmm. I can download something from their Xbox Game Store, whatever they call it, and that's great. I don't have to leave my home, and I download it. And I just go through the internet for my updates. And now that's completely obsolete because of streaming. Just the way, the way Spotify is doing, uh, disrupting music where I don't really download anything. I just stream it. For Xbox, I still have to download everything. And, I mean, Google, if you watch their whole presentation, they made fun of that. Like, no more this. And they showed the massive downloading bars, like one terabyte downloaded, 17 terabytes to go. And if you own an Xbox, they pretty much have a 17 terabyte update every week. So they're <laughs> saying, no, get rid of that. It's not just dematerialized, it's streamed. Yeah. When I bought Red Dead Redemption, I had to wait four and a half hours to actually <laughs> play the game. You're right. You could just walk to the store and get it. But it's yeah, like... people, people think you're kidding, Bart. It, it really is that. <laughs> is. And I got, I got, I got to actually get really frustrated because we buy them. We go, we're excited to go play one of these stupid games. You can play tomorrow. Yeah, and, and then I go to the Microsoft store and I was yelling at the guy. I said, there's nothing on this disc. <laughs> It's just a, it's a label, and you have to download. It's not like there's an update. You have to download the entire thing. Yeah, and especially if you don't play every day or every week, and you just turn it on yeah. every now and then. You have the console updates too. It's so like you they're, know, they're experimenting. You don't even want to play anymore by the time it's ready. So I think oh, my, you want to capitalize on that one little area yeah. of like, oh, I'm excited. That goes mm -hmm. away pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. I think so. The, going going forward, specifically around Stadia, I think the question marks I have around it are: c can they can they truly scale it because they've run tests previously through project stream i think a year ago on a very much much smaller scale can they actually scale it to the level of ambition that they're putting in that's one question the other thing is i think they only announced one game they only announced doom, doom. that's going to be available on it um so they they need to span that out and i'm fascinated to see what their um, pricing structure is going to look like um, there's been some questions, some real cynics that come out that say, oh, they might only allow you to use Stadia for games that you've already bought versus actually like using other games through the platform, which I don't think they'll do. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they price it as well. Yeah, let's, yeah. So let's put up on the, up on the screen. We've got this is on a Wikipedia page. Uh, let's pull up this graphic and we'll throw this into the, the video feed. But this is a going back to 1971, a a decomposition of the video game industry. And right now, the, the the market in total for all this stuff is about $138 billion. And this is platforms, uh, it's selling the the games in the classical way, uh, everything from you know, the personal computers that are gaming computers. Uh, and it's growing, it grew last year at 13%, which is not a small amount. When you look at the decomposition of this graph, you can see back in the 1980s, older people like me will remember, the, you know, going to the arcades and playing Ms. Pac-Man and 
Pac-Man and Galaga and Donkey Kong and even things like Asteroids, Space Invaders. They, it was an experience socially, but you had to go somewhere because they had special equipment. And then as the, the consoles became available in the home, all the way starting out from like Nintendo 64 uh, to uh, the Xbox platforms and PlayStation, the arcades kind of died off. And now they're sort of a novelty, like almost a museum. They have one of these things in, in locally in here in Somerville. They have a uh, Yestercades, it's called. Uh, it's more of a throwback to yesterday. It was almost like a museum. But now these consoles, they're going to go the same way that the arcades did because you're no longer going to need a console. All this stuff is going to be rendered in the cloud and displayed on your existing equipment, whether that be your PC, your tablet, your phone, or your television that's from 4K. Or even a HDTV, it's going to, it'll just scale it down. And these are going to be immersive environments. And when you say immersive, if you just look at this graph, which we'll show in the video, that last bar, and that's not an insignificant amount for virtual reality on top. It's about what, yeah. 2%, 2.5% right there? Yeah. On top? Multi-billion. Multi-billion already. And well, we, we, I think we think of VR as like this future thing. It's already taking into account maybe 2 or 3% of the industry. So the, the, the gaming industry is taxing the engineering because I think it's legitimate to say, can they actually do this? A lot of people overhang the market about their capabilities. Yeah. But let's assume that they're going to get a lot of this stuff figured out. But the gaming market really tests the engineering ability of pulling this off. Mm -hmm. But let's, let's think about this platform or this approach and look at it outside of gaming. What if I did this with tourism? I want to go visit the Forbidden City in Beijing, but I don't want to go there. I want, but I want to experience it in an immersive way. I mean, if you've seen these immersive worlds, and I know you guys have, uh, it's tremendous. You have a total feel for the place, walking around in an avatar, and especially when you get up to 4K, and the rendering gets pretty amazing. Uh, now, what if I start to do that with tourism? What if I start to do that with products and sales? You can start to change a whole bunch of things. What if I could? visit with my friends in our avatars that look similar to us and we go and we go experience something together. We hang out with our friends. Instead of going to the mall, you know, young people want to go hang out at the mall, now they're going to go hang out online and what you go do with that. So this doesn't have to be games. It could be social worlds. Now there was a thing called Second Life and it was just you walk around, people are hanging out in this world. And when I worked in the 1990s, in the gaming industry, that was sort of the vision of a lot of the, 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 the gamers who were trying to, they wanted to create these immersive worlds where it wasn't just gaming, it was actually a second life. It was a way where you just go hang out with your friends and you do it virtually. And the implication is if you're looking to sell something or you know look for business opportunities, you want to look where the eyes are, where are people's attention. And if the marketplace is becoming digital in this way, you need to keep track of that. So, so and, and the ways that people are willing to pay money for things. And the, the moments where they're willing to pay money are very nuanced and different. So the some of the market share, just a quick aside, that uh, Google is looking to steal away using the YouTube platform you know, through Stadia is from Twitch. Twitch is one of the, the main platforms used for, we mentioned at the beginning yeah. of the podcast, for streaming, live gaming, and having fans kind of watch live or watch you know past videos. It's really YouTube for streaming videos and for fans, but the monetary incentives are different. YouTube, when people, it's a big market already on YouTube for streaming games, but the money that's made is from ads. Google's an advertising company at its core. 
right? They're trying to become this product platform company, but still an advertising company at its core. Twitch, I believe maybe some ads, but not from from an ad revenue standpoint, it's completely dwarfed by donations. All the money that Twitch streamers get, or at least the large majority, are from donations from their fans yep. versus forced revenue or really indirect revenue from the cut they get from the platform through advertising. So very different. And which was more effective? Do you force it on the user and really shove content in their face they're not really wanting? Or is it more of a pull model where they are donating money to the product itself? Based on the value they perceive. But based on the value they perceive. But, but the, the, the models, you know, Bart, you were looking up the virtual goods market uh, when we were preparing for this. Yeah, and a similar thing I found with the way the, those, those sort of stats are tracked is it, it's a little unclear mm -hmm. of what is a virtual good, what's a digital good. You know, a lot of these stats are pulling in you know all digital movies and ebooks and and things of that nature but like um, a, an example would be like something that people might be shocked by when you go into these immersive worlds with an avatar they give you sort of the base stuff you can wear a green jacket a blue jacket armor this that the other thing you can go into stores and buy special stuff so that your avatar is dressed in a a pink uh, armor and whatever the hell you want and they sell this uh, on your phones, Candy Crush, you can buy free passes or exploding candy or whatever it is. You pay for that. And that market, when you think of that, is is in the billions, right? Yeah, again, it's just hard to track just Fortnite, that market. Fortnite's free. But we mentioned Fortnite I'm, earlier. It's yeah. a free game, and they made $2.4 billion selling costumes and, and last just, year. Like, But to move yeah. away from esports, for example, so the yeah. exploding candy. So there's another crazy stat. <laughs> candy yeah. Crush on your phone. Uh, they raked in. This is uh, Activision Blizzard as the owner. Uh, 1.1 billion in revenue last year. Free game from the App Store, but so, you, ru you run out of hearts or lives or whatever it is. Oh, you can you know buy some gold. It, and it's 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 interesting the way they do it. You buy another indirect virtual good as opposed to saying, hey, just pay five dollars to advance. No, no. With gold, you can do it. Oh, I just need gold. Oh, with gold, you need five dollars per bar of gold. Yeah. And they just do all these little things. Oh, you can play a little bit further. It's amazing. One point one billion. So Candy Crush. Where do you think? So this is going at the ba at the tail end of this uh, Netflix documentary. They project where they see this going, and right. it's anyone's guess. Uh, so let, let's play this this final clip here uh, from this explained documentary on esports about where they see the market going. But it's no different than like MMA and soccer and basketball. The only difference is that you can play fighting games forever. You gotta stop playing soccer eventually because your knees will go out. By 2020, 300 million people will watch esports online. As more game makers realize esports is key to their success, more stakeholders see an opportunity and more players turn into fans. Almost definitely it's gonna be the Olympics. I think as a professional sport, it'll probably be the second biggest sport in the world behind soccer. Well, uh, well, first of all, people are going to get mad and say it's not a sport, but right. it's a, it's a semantic issue. But to, to give a sense, I think that's probably when you look at the projections, that's probably not overstating it. The Olympic Committee's already met on the topic of gaming. The IOC's met. The in, in, um, the uh, Olympic Committee have met to, to actually discuss it. Yeah. <laughs> and and by the way, he. So I actually found when he talks about second to soccer, I actually found out about Fortnite through soccer. I had no idea of it before. And there's a, a crop of young um, 
young fo- football stars that play in the Premier League, and they started doing these crazy celebrations. Oh, the dances! That's right, crazy dances, which is tied directly to the to the game. Because in Fortnite, I think. Oh what, wait, you can yeah. Not to interrupt you, but you yeah. can buy those too. That's another part. Of, it's not just costumes. It's a specific celebration dance animation you can buy. And so I had no idea. <laughs> Suddenly, these young players they score a goal in front of billions of people that watch the Premier League every weekend. And these young players were doing these crazy celebrations. Um, and I'm sure Bart will be able to find them. So there's all these celebrations. I was like, what is going on? And then sure enough, you dig into it and it's like, oh, these these <laughs> for, players for are the people Fortnite. lost. For the people lost in this podcast, they might actually know these to see the people yeah. doing these like three or four main the dances that took off this past year. They all came from Fortnite. You, you can and even I, I, don't even, I don't know what they're called, but when you see them, you'll know what we're talking about. All right, so oh, we're, yeah, there's so, another. This reminds we're, me of we're, another we're construct little, from the game. Let's let, let's let's close yeah. this out by playing a Fortnite uh, crazy dance. Let's let's go <laughs> okay. to that clip. All right, so that video clip shows how you know your, your life is imitating art, and you're seeing a conflagration. So TJ, you want to make a point about that? Yeah, so Bart, you brought up something before that that was probably my takeaway, just covering this again, and we've been looking at this all day, kind of preparing for this, uh, the ambiguity and the economy for what is a digital asset. Right. So I, we didn't even know, oh, you can buy a dance? I thought you could just buy clothing or buy like a power-up or, or a weapon. No, you can buy dances. Yeah. I think, and the, the whole ambiguity around measuring the market size, is it really a billion-dollar market? Is that really being dishonest about the scale of what this is? for who's making money here, uh, where are people purchasing certain things, where are the, where are the incentives? I think there's an ambiguity and <laughs> understanding of what is something like a digital product in that way. And I think because of that ambiguity, people are underestimating how influential yeah. this is and how big this will be. Yeah, that's a really good point because it's a billion dollar market size, but then Fortnite is 2.4 billion. Wow. If, if you quit your job to make tutorials about this game and you support yourself, are you a part of you know how those, that number should be accounted for? If it's based on this game and the community around it, that guys, no people way. are doing that. No Five, yeah. All right, so old guys like me are like, <laughs> okay, stuck on tic tac toe. Well, there's plenty of tutorials if you want to learn how to play. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get the newspaper and read it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, the 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 title of our podcast is "Pardon the Disruption," and to me, this is about as disruptive as as you can get in terms of one of the topics we've talked about. It yes. disrupts an existing market significantly, and it's also uh, I would say disrupting our culture in the way younger people are spending their time and in a way that's very disconnected from, say, people who are 50 and over who don't really relate to a lot of the things we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Fair. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. Uh, very interesting topic. Again, we probably went longer than we normally do for these podcasts, but this is a very interesting an exciting area. We're looking forward to see what Google does and what the response is yeah. by their competitors in the market. Great. Good stuff, Great. guys. All thanks. Right. Thanks. All right, bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Pardon the Disruption. We'd like you to subscribe to our podcast if you like it. You can find us on most of the platforms where you get your podcast from, whether that be iTunes or YouTube or whatever you're on. Uh, we also want some feedback. What shows do you want us to cover? What do you like? What do you not like? So that we can do this. We're doing this for you. We're not doing this for anything else. So please subscribe and give us some feedback. Thank you very much.